I thought I needed to start with <laughs> the most pressing issue of our time. My first question is, do you really not like Cracker Barrel? Or what's the story with that? <laughs> Does everybody know the story? <laughs> right? I can't believe we're still talking about that. Because <laughs> I love Cracker Barrel. Yes. yes. Yeah, we question. are still talking. <laughs> first first question out of the gate. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. Kind of stole one yesterday, didn't we? I expect to see that much sunshine. It was nice. What happened? I loved it. Sat outside for a half a minute with the dog, just enjoying it. Milwaukee County Zoo is getting an infusion of cash. Big project will be rebuilding the main entrance. Milwaukee County Executive David Crawley is set to officially sign the file, as they call it, from the county. They're going to invest almost $2 million in the project. One thing I read is that you won't any longer than wait to pay in your car. You know when you come in and you pay at those little kiosks and then you Mm -hmm. do the parking and the whatever? I don't know how they're going to handle because that's where the county makes a lot of money on the parking. Mm -hmm. I think it might cost you more to park than it does to actually get into the zoo. A lot of people try to park on the road if they can and walk in. They're going to somehow centralize all that, move it into a new main welcome area, which certainly has become a bit tired over the years. Sure. I think it's a good investment if the county has the money. And this year, for the first time since ever, the county's looking at a budget surplus. So let's invest in the gems and the things that people love to visit and do before it's 20 years down the road and then it's falling down like the domes. Right? <laughs> before the zoo turns into the dome. Yeah, right. So I, I I like the project. Yeah, and zoo is always popular. They're doing some work on the penguin thing too, right? Yeah, they're, they're fixing up the penguin thing. Had to deal with some budgetary issues there. And also, bigger news... You could argue at the zoo later this week, they're going to have the Groundhog Day celebration at the Penguin exhibit. Yes, because... They don't have a groundhog anymore. Yeah, Gordy's dead. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> And before Gordy, it was Winter the Groundhog and Then they had, the didn't zoo. they have uh, Walnut at one point, too, or wasn't one of them? That more. name's not familiar to me. Maybe you might... <laughs> I could be making up. Don't get up messed up with uh, Sun Prairie, either, though. Uh, right. They're a completely different guy. The biting one. Yeah, that's the guy who bit the mayor yeah. in Sun Prairie. Don't they all, though? <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was fairly unique. <laughs> Took a hunk out of his ear. Yeah, so... So you were a little bent year, out of shape out of the penguin thing. Well, because it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> well, if you don't have one... Actually, then I, get one, or then don't do it. Like, you don't get to participate in this day. You can't just trot out any animal and say, hey, whatever. <laughs> Why not? Because... Well, they used a polar bear for a while there. Didn't somebody use a polar bear for a while? Debbie, you seem to be an expert on the groundhog. No, not, I'm just... These are ringing bells. I don't know. Hmm, I don't. I was following. Well, I'm curious. I'm curious which animal outside of a groundhog can be considered a meteorologist. Which one knows that stuff? Which one is the weather? None of them. They're ant. Like it's a joke. (laughs) It's a joke. Right, and we all get the joke. I love how you're angry Anecdotally, about this. <laughs> not really. Angry. Come on, Vince. (laughs) It's a joke. So then, like, but you have to go along with the joke. Right? Yeah. Well, so I'm excited about the penguin thing. Might as well change it up. This will make national news, by the way, That's true. on Friday. And national Mil- news. And in Milwaukee, they yep. had a penguin that right. came out. Saw <laughs> Chad or didn't. The National Weather Service says Phil nails the forecast about 40% of the time. Yeah, that's the one in, in Pennsylvania, Yeah, right? Punxsutawney Phil. Mm-hmm. We're not going to just try. When Phil dies, and Phil must have died over the oh, years. Oh, I think so there have been plenty of Stuff Phil's. something else in there, yeah, right? Yep, but yep, they don't yep, stuff yep. like a, you know, a walrus in there. That's <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's Groundhog Day. The groundhog's not a meteorologist. That's my point. It's, none of these animals are meteorologists, so you can't. I'm going like, to prove you wrong. Stick with the joke. Six fifteen. I was. You should go out there to the zoo. Yeah, 
and investigate this. <laughs> Talk someone to on record. All right. All right. For you, I'd do it. 6.15. Brandon's got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Bucks began their five-game West Coast road trip in Denver Monday night, but they fall to the Nuggets in the head coaching debut of Doc Rivers. This one by a final score of 113-107. to Giannis going to launch one up from three, and he drilled it from the near wing left. How about that turnabout? Dave Kane on the call there as Giannis would finish the day with 29 points. After the game, though, the Bucks' new head coach, Doc Rivers, preaching patience with his new team. The trust, you know, it goes in and out. It's, it's in the flux. You know, it's funny. It's what I saw from afar. Uh, it, it was really interesting. I said, this is exactly what I saw from TV, you know, uh, sitting on the couch. And uh, the good news there, you know, is very fixable because you have guys that want to get it right. So, um, listen, Damon Giannis have played 40 games together in their life, you know. Uh, Joker and, and, and Murray have played, you know – and if you looked at the game tonight down the stretch, they had it going. Our guys couldn't get it going, and that was the difference. Damian Lillard finished the night with 18 points, a bad shooting night for him, just 5 of 13. I mentioned it before, Giannis leading the way for the Bucks with 29 points and 12 rebounds. With the loss, though, the Bucks now falling to 32 in on the season. They'll get a chance to rebound last night's loss with a matchup in Portland tomorrow night. Over to baseball, as the Reese Hoskins signing in Milwaukee is official, the Brewers' new first baseman met with the media on Monday afternoon and talked about his excitement surrounding his new team. You know, there's a former Cy Young, um, a former MVP, um, all the talents in the world coming up from from the um, the minor leagues, um, and a lot of talent from from a young guy perspective. So, um, really, just eager to sit down and, and talk the game with those guys and learn as much as I can. Hoskins missed all of 23. 20- 23 with a torn ACL, but he did say he should be good to go by spring training. Brewers, pitchers, and catchers all set to report on February 15th. Lastly, we'll head over to College Hoops, where the number 9-ranked Marquette Golden Eagles are back on the road tonight in Villanova. After beating DePaul last Saturday, 15-5, and Golden Eagles will look to extend their four-game win streak to five with a 6 p.m. tip time. Tonight, coverage will get started over on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, beginning at 5.30. Coming up, I spent about an hour with the city of Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson. Do you think I asked him about it? Please tell me you brought up the Cracker Barrel. Tell you next on Wisconsin's Morning News. Coming up on 622 on Wisconsin's Morning News. So I spent about an hour with the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, Kamalir Johnson. We got into a lot of stuff. Matt Walker hosted at his company, one of our partners here, Walker Media Agency. You hear me talk about them. Uh, he had like this business roundtable with the mayor. Okay. And I served as moderator of the discussion. A couple dozen local business leaders got to sit down with the mayor. They asked a lot of questions, and that was the idea. But, you know, I got a few to start sort of prime the pump of the conversation. Very casual. I thought I needed to start with the (laughs) most pressing issue of our time. My first question is, do you really not like Cracker Barrel? Or what's the story with that? (laughs) Does everybody know the story? (laughs) I can't believe we're still talking about that. Because I love Cracker Barrel. Yes. We are still talking. First First question out of the gate. (laughs) Wow. Awesome. 
Uh, he was a good sport about it. Actually, <laughs> as it turns out, the mayor was quite careful to point out he's fine with Cracker Barrel. So I, I actually do like Cracker Barrel. As a matter of fact, uh, just last year, I mean, my family uh, and I were at that Cracker Barrel, that very same one. Uh, and that's not the only place. I mean, we go to Holy Hill every single year. Mayor went into a whole <laughs> list of places that they visit in Washington County, he and his oh, yeah. wife and family. Well, what did you have to right. eat, Mr. Mayor? Prove it. <laughs> Where's the I receipts? want pics, right. I want yeah, I want to see receipts. Open records request. Right. <laughs> his point about that whole conversation... And backing up quickly, you had the county executive in Washington County posted something right after the first of the year yeah. on uh, Twitter saying like, hey, come on out to Washington County. Now there's increased taxes in the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County. Come on out here and buy your big ticket items. And right. the mayor th- thought that was a cheap shot. And the mayor pointed out that, hey, look, Washington County benefited from the state shared revenue plan, the big increases that went to cities and counties all across Wisconsin a deal that he and County Executive Crawley helped negotiate. Our efforts were helpful not just to the city, but they were helpful to communities all around the state of Wisconsin. And he took that uh, as sort of a wedge issue, a cudgel to try to you know, say, oh, folks, why don't you come over to Washington County? Like, let's not make light of the situation. And my thing is like, look, if you want folks to come to Washington County, uh, that's fine. Maybe you should try to work to build some affordable housing in your county. Okay, shot back. And that should pr- largely put the Cracker Barrel issue to rest. It was never really about Cracker Barrel. Right. But you know, there's a little bit of back and forth there. So talked a little bit about Northridge. Okay. Barring the unforeseen, the city is about to take ownership of that property. Finally, uh, th- there is a window that the overseas company that owns the property could appeal the judge's decision that came late last week, but that is unlikely. So here's my question about moving forward. What's going to be there? Do we sometimes though, get overly picky? And like, I, I would love to see great things mm-hmm. as well. But sometimes, you know, it's like, look, you have to have the private sector tell you what they're willing to invest mm-hmm. in in that particular location. That's my concern is that sometimes sure. we just get overly picky. Sure. Well, we'll take a pass on this one. We'll take a pass on that one. And then 10 years later, it's still empty. Yeah. Well, let me tell you this. So, so a great also, question, by the way. And I also cited for the mayor. I said, what about Strauss Veal? Remember, they wanted to move into Century City mm-hmm. and the deal was done and set to go. And then you know, the city basically stabbed itself in the back and and killed the deal before, and what's there now? Nothing. Nothing instead, right? And the mayor pointed out, hey, in fact, I helped broker that deal. I wanted Strauss there. I voted for it. And he recognizes, you know, you have to be a little careful. So it was disappointing to me um, that we did not move forward with that. So um, while you need to be picky to a, you know, to, to a degree, that was one where I thought we should have picked it uh, and moved forward with that. So... Uh, I'm interested to see what happens at Northridge. I understand, you know, exactly what you're saying, Vince. Um, but I think we should, and we owe it to the people who live there, who have dealt with this for 20 plus years, to look at what all the possibilities are, and not just simply take the first thing that comes up, um, just simply because it was offered. I think there's other opportunities. So we'll see what those are. First things first. Let's get rid of the blight. Uh, let's get rid of the danger so that our firefighters and the people who live over there don't have to put up with that anymore. Yeah, he's focused on that okay. first. Let's let's get secure the property, let's get it safe, and then let's look at a menu of options. My well, concern... Is there a menu? Yes, that's my concern. What if there's not a menu right. and we're sitting here, well, we see it as this, but the private sector is telling you that's not how we see it, and that's other people's money that needs mm-hmm. to be invested. That's true. So um, he is aware of it. My thanks to Matt Walker, Walker Media Agency, for giving us a chance to... To be a part of that conversation, bringing business leaders together, having an audience with the mayor, who does, in fact, like Cracker. <laughs> Bucks lost, but the new head coach, Doc, has some good takeaways from the game. Brandon Snyder has that in sports at 645.
Space Shuttle Endeavor is ready for launch. What? It is currently standing vertically. All right, no, it's not really. Oh, is this launching. the one that's out in California? <laughs> yes, so it's retired. Uh, retired Space Shuttle Endeavor is now vertical. It's ready for launch after it was carefully hoisted on Monday to be connected to huge external fuel tanks and two solid rocket boosters. Where and why is this happening? Well, it's at the California Science Center in Los Angeles. It will be displayed there as if it's about to blast off. So why are they doing this? Well, because they think it's cool and it's a great way to learn something, says the curator. My hope is that people will come to the California Science Center, Samuel Ocean Air and Space Center, and recognize that this stuff, as complicated as it is, is not beyond them. Yeah. So this started back in July. All kinds of precise installation taking place here. They had to sh- bring in the giant tanks from like the Mojave Desert and drive them in. If you remember the Endeavor itself, they had to fly in 10 years ago and then slowly creep it along city streets to yeah, get it to this museum. And stuff. Yeah. So now it is vertical and it's being built. They're going to have this huge facility around it. Uh, it's not open yet, of course, but soon. It is unique because there are several shuttles, the orbiters, that obviously were retired with the with the program. One of them is Discovery. That's at part of it's part of the Smithsonian yeah. out near the airport, away from DC. But you can go see that. Mm-hmm. But it's not in an upright position, married to the external fuel tank and the solid rocket yeah. boosters like that. That's the only place in the world that you can see this. And it'll just show the enormity of yeah. the project, just what that looked like up close. I guess we're going to California. Up now on the Wisconsin's Morning News podcast page this morning, our extended interview with Bill Davidson, great-grandson of one of the founding Davidson and current vice president of the Harley-Davidson Museum. So he was in studio yesterday with Eric and me. Bit of news here. Bill is going to be growing his role with the company. I am transitioning into a little bit newer role, though. Are you going to break some news right here? Does well, anybody know this? It's 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 been something I've been doing all my life, which is an ambassador of Harley-Davidson. And... Uh, I'm going to do that more full-time and travel around the world, meeting and greeting our fans and riders and dealers, and I'm pretty excited. I've known Bill for a number of years, and there's nothing that fills him with greater joy than those moments of being with riders and fans. You can tell just and, by talking right? with them, just the right? grin he on his face. Up. Yeah. Brandon and, was busy talking to him off off mic about just bikes in general, and he just was beaming talking about it. <laughs> right. And we have Bill and I have some mutual friends and one of our friends rides with him on both here and abroad. And, you know, my friend was telling me, he's like, when Bill goes out in these crowds in Europe or wherever, you know, like, it's rock star status. People find out that there's a guy with the last name Davidson. Right. And it's like a mob scene. And so he, he, for whatever reason, decided he wanted to do more of that. <laughs> right? So Bill's going to continue doing that. A lot of what he learned about that role he learned from his father. Everybody knows Willie G. Davidson. And Willie G is going to be celebrated at this summer's Harley-Davidson homecoming event. Like so many riders and fans, Bill reveres his father. Besides being somebody I truly love, my dad, he's an amazing artist. He's painting watercolors every single day. He designed some iconic motorcycles over the years. He's influenced the motorcycle industry. He certainly is a leader, being one of the original 13 that bought the company back in 1981 from AMF. And he's a legend. 
And also, Eric, you, on my behalf, asked him if it was all going to be okay with the homecoming and the air and water show happening in the because, same weekend. And German this year. Fest, because right. you're concerned about all that. And he said it'd be fine. Yeah. <laughs> he is not <laughs> said, worried. He actually is excited about it. Said all sides, all entities are collaborating. They're talking about how they're going to handle the crowds and handle yeah. the logistics. And not only is it going to be fine, he actually thinks it's going to be great. Harley Davidson Homecoming is July 25th through the 28th this summer. Our full interview with Bill Davidson on the podcast page now. You can find it at WTMJ.com, wherever you get your podcasts, or text Vince to 855-616-1620. I'll send you the link. Brandon's got sports next. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Marky Bucks began their five-game West Coast road trip with a loss to the Denver Nuggets on Monday night. This one by a final of 113-107. to Giannis led the way with 29 points and 12 boards. The Bucks will look to bounce back Wednesday night in Portland. After defeating Seton Hall last weekend, the ninth-ranked Marquette Golden Eagles are back in action tonight on the road. They'll face off with Villanova starting at 6. And lastly, we'll stick with college hoops following two wins in the Big Ten last week. The Wisconsin Badgers were rewarded by jumping seven spots in the AP Top 25 to the number six overall team in the country. They'll have two more games this week, Thursday at Nebraska, and Sunday they will host number two ranked Purdue in Madison. It's time for Extra Points, a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's morning news. Here's Brendan Snide. It has only been one press conference, one game, and now one losing result, but the Milwaukee Bucks are certainly starting to feel the pressure of having to win and win now. After deciding 43 games into their season that head coach Adrian Griffin was just not the guy they envisioned going forward, the Bucks made quite the statement with hiring of former NBA champ Doc Rivers. Along with the new head coach, the expectations somehow some way also grew to new heights for a team that was already at a championship or bust level. There is no question a do or die label has been attached to this team that currently has two of the league's top 75 players of all time in its starting lineup. And let's let's be honest, that that is a fair label to attach to this team. Say what you want about Doc, but adding a coach of his status only increases the sky-high expectations for our team. It does not matter how or when he got to the position he is currently in. It doesn't matter if quote-unquote no coach has ever done this. No one, and I mean no one, is going to show any sympathy or care. Come May, come June, if the Bucks aren't playing meaningful games, it'll all be considered a failure, and again, rightfully so. Whatever offense, whatever defensive issues this team had when Griff was running the team, they have to figure it out going forward right now, and the pressure will all be on Doc to help facilitate that. He's done it before, and he's won a championship. Like Coach Rivers said at his introductory press conference, it's an unfair hand to be dealt, but at the same time, it's one he volunteered to do, and it's on him, Giannis, and Dame to figure it all out, or believe me, it's going to get ugly in Milwaukee. At 6.52, Bucks new head coach, you just heard Brandon talk about it, Doc Rivers, 0-1 with his new club as the Bucks fell to the Nuggets. I want to talk about the coaching change and the role of our global superstar, Giannis Antetokounmpo, whom fans assume had a big role in hiring former coach Adrian Griffin, and fans assume had a role in getting him fired. For a coach like uh, Griffin, I think from day one, was everything was about togetherness. Was always leading this group, um, you know, into the direction that we set in the beginning of the year. And him not being here at the end of the day, you know, like uh, we're human. It's, it, it, it hurts. So we bring in our friend of the program, two-time sports writer of the year for the Monkey Journal Sentinel, Lori Nicol. Lori, I was careful how I worded that. Fans assume 
Giannis has had a big role in these front office decisions. I want to kind of explore to what extent that is true and then to what extent that is healthy for the Bucks. First, on the former point, how big of a role has Giannis played, do you think or do you know, in some of these decisions? Well, Wednesday night I asked him that directly because I was kind of tired of hearing all these assumptions, be it um, kind of suggestive assumptions in the media or, you know, wherever else. And he gave a four-minute answer. I don't know if you caught it, but it was um, – did you, did you hear it by any chance, what he said? Yeah, I'm, I don't know if we're thinking of the same thing, so go ahead. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> he basically said no. He said he was asked the same opinion. He was asked to give his opinion and input with Mike Budenholzer as well, but nobody talked about that because Giannis was younger then, you know, and nobody had it, you know, that he gave his opinion on the hiring there. The question I asked was direct, like, are you going to, do you have any misgivings about this? Do you want to change how you um, get involved in this? Because this was considered your hire. And Giannis said, ultimately, this was not my hire. This was not my decision. He said he gave input on previous coaches. He gave input on Adrian Griffin in that he liked him, thought he was a good coach, thought he was a good person. But then Giannis said it was ultimately not his decision, which I was surprised how many people didn't believe Giannis. Um, So. Well, and it's interesting because we had a situation up in Green Bay that we talked about. A lot of fans soured on Aaron Uh. Rodgers' insistence on having more to do with the decision-making in the front office. And it's a fine line, right? I mean, as a fan, I would expect our big stars to, yes, be asked, are you comfortable with this? The one from Platteville that he wanted so bad. (laughs) Right, right, right. Touchdown Jesus guy, they called him. What was his name? Yeah, and, you know, he's getting into all these decisions. Right. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Oh, Jake So to the yeah. to that point, right? Fans want we want Giannis to be happy, whatever, but we also don't want Giannis to run the team. That's a fine line. Well, I think those situations are very, very, very different. And I can go all the way back to Brett Favre telling Ted Thompson, "I want you to hire Steve Mariucci and bring in Randy Moss." I mean, this isn't new, okay? Um, star players giving their input. The difference that I see is it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with John Horst. I mean, John has signed Giannis to two major contracts to keep Giannis in town. The question you might want to ask yourself is, ultimately, were Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers replaceable? And is Giannis Antetokounmpo replaceable? And um, I think the situations are different. I think the player personalities are different. Um, Remember, Giannis used to play pickup basketball with the GM, John Horst. Giannis and his brother, Thanasis, who's on the team, you know, they're, they're close. There's a tighter relationship. There's a friendship there. They look out for each other. So they're not complete great comparisons like apples to apples. I think they're very different. And this is something I want to explore as well. I think there's a lot more reporting that needs to be done before I can really give you a solid answer. But my viewpoint is that they're totally different scenarios. Um, yeah, ultimately, though, you don't want your player to call to, to be the GM. And I think that's why you saw John Horst make the decision that he made last, year, uh, last week. He didn't consult any of the players. Um, and I asked him that directly as well. I said, did you ask anybody before you made this decision? No. And all the players said no. They found out in team meetings. Now, again... There seems to be a credibility problem, though, with whether or not local fans, Bucks fans, and NBA fans in general and media believe John Horst and believe Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
So the Bucks are now paying three coaches. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> they wouldn't. I know. I don't think the Bucks would go over the luxury tax just a couple of years ago. You know, remember like Malcolm Brogdon was let go and all that. Now all of a sudden, you know, the Haslam's come in and they're paying <laughs> the new ownership. Uh, part of the trio there and and now they're paying three coaching salaries plus two major contracts with Middleton and and Giannis and and they've got basically essentially a a college basketball season to figure it out and win the championship and I think they can actually do that but yeah it's a lot of money crazy amount of money appreciate your reporting Lori and yes more questions to be asked and answered so I expect answers to all of those questions next week Tuesday (laughs) Eric and I will submit our list Yes, it's, it's, I appreciate you guys. It's not something, if Giannis couldn't sum it up, his was a four-minute answer. You and I can't figure it out in five minutes on a Tuesday. It's going <laughs> to take a while. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. We'll talk again next week. See ya. Look at that yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on it.